Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, Sean Gambadoro. Hi, one Gambo. minute left, Burnsy. One minute left. One minute left. Iran is on the attack. The USA is clinging to a one nothing lead. Clinging. Clinging. Oh, no. Oh, nice clear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? Honest to God, this, oh, man. this sport... Bores me to tears. Oh, are you kidding me? Until no, you didn't let me finish. Okay. Until moments just like this. Oh man! Then it's like this is the kind of stuff. And I've told this story before. Like the last time the U.S. was this good at this, because they didn't qualify for the tournament four years ago. Eight years ago, we were vacationing in Hawaii when the U.S. was playing. Yeah, and like we were supposed to go to the beach. Like it was. I had I had people waiting on us, friends, family waiting oh. us. I'm like, no, 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 we can't go. We can't go. I'm totally into this. That ball's by the goalie. This. It's by the goalie. The defense. Defender kicks it out. Yeah. That ball got by the goaltender, Turner, and was going towards. Look at the goalie's face. It's the like, oh my like, God. Oh no. I just gave up the tying goal. Some dude named Zimmerman just kicked it out. So if the so, USA wins, they advance. If they tie, if Iran scores a late goal, the USA is out. Yes. They're out. They're out. They had to win. They got a goal early. In the game, and they've been holding on ever since. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The goalie. Look at the goalie's face. Get it out of there. I think it's so. God. So normally, the sport bores me to tears, but in moments like this, how can you not get into it? How can you not be sitting? You know, just sitting here. You know, we're 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 watching it here on the monitors. I'm sure right now a lot of our audience is you're watching it on your smartphone right. or your whatever. Right. You're just kind of paying attention to it. And with Italy out of it, I'm rooting for the USA. <laughs> I'm with my team not in the World Cup. Well, I am rooting for the Americans. Give Given that you are an American citizen, I, I'm I'm relieved to hear yeah. that. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. I promise as soon as we have a final, we'll pass it on to you. Clock. Booker gets it back. Penetrates right side. Gives to Bridges. Right corner for three. No good. Rebound. Tory Craig in traffic. He'll get it back to Bridges. Now Booker in between the rings is going to be fouled by Kevin Herter with 6.8 seconds left. And again, it is Tory Craig, the oh, offensive my. rebounder supreme, to keep it alive. It was a final last night, and it's a final now. The Oof. U.S. beat Iran. one nothing, one nothing, one nil. Wow. As they say. Wow, I the sweated that one out. Uh, one nothing. Wow. The U.S. Advances with their one nothing. They'll play the Netherlands. That was tense to watch. They'll play the Dutch. Okay, so now that that's in the books, we can talk about a one twenty two one seventeen win by the Phoenix Suns last night. Look at Tory Craig pulling the DeAndre Ayton, getting the big offensive rebound at the end. Right? I mean, that was that was the game right there. I mean, that was absolutely the game that that rebound by Tory Craig and Damian Lee. You know, his fourth quarter with the three three pointers and then the other basket. I mean, it was a it was a hard fought game, but the Suns have won five straight. They got their third win on the road. They're three and five. No Chris Paul again for the tenth straight game. An amazing game by Devin Booker, which we'll talk about later on its own. But you know, seeing these guys, you know, Booker got help. Damian Lee with eleven points in the fourth quarter. Mikael Bridges had an incredible game. I mean, he oh. had thirteen points, eight rebounds, seven assists, three steals, three blocks. He was missed to everything. Double double for Da. That's his sixth straight seventeen points and twelve rebounds. But I, I really thought that, you know, that, that game 
Kevin Werder off the steal of a of a of Mikhail just losing the ball scores on a dunk. Sacramento's on a seven nothing run at the end of the game. There's thirty seven you know in a thirty seven second span they they score seven straight points. It's one twenty one seventeen. Mikhail takes a shot, he misses it. It's a three. Craig grabs the rebound, and then Book gets fouled, makes both free throws, and that was the game right there. Yeah, it was. There's so much to talk about, and I, and I look. I'm just going to mention this on. And you mentioned it briefly a moment ago. I'm going to say this again. Devin Booker is getting a standalone segment for how good he was. So let's just briefly mention 44 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 steals, 17 to 28 shooting. I I mean, he was... MVP type good yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And so we will talk about that kind of on its own and let it breathe a little bit. But there were so many of the things to start with. And I'm going to start with the, the one thing that I think maybe was the most important element of last night's game, at least okay. for me. It was on the road. It was on the road against a good team. All right. And that's if there's one knock on the Suns so far this year. Okay. They, they've persevered. No Paul, no Cam Johnson. Jay Crowder sits at home. Uh, Devin Booker hasn't had a ton of help all the time out there. There's one knock on this, you know, the first place in the Western Conference. It's that on the road, they've been a slightly different team. On the road, they haven't been as efficient. They haven't been as good. The wins aren't as impressive. That's a good Sacramento Kings team. One that's off to a really good start. They were rested going into the game. I thought the fact that they won that game away from home was very significant last night because that's kind of the one thing that's been missing. From their resume a little bit so far this year. Yeah, and they had to overcome an incredible performance by by Malik Monk and, and, and Sabonis was good. They benefited because De'Aaron Fox had a bad game. He only scored three points in the second half. He was a minus for the game, only four or 12 shoot. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, there was 16 ties in the game. There were 11 lead changes in the game. And it's three-point game with 6.8 seconds remaining. So it was a hard-fought win on the road. That crowd out in Sacramento was really into the game too. So they were trying to push their team, you know, forward. So you know, this Sacramento team is much better than we were used to. They started 0-4, then they won seven in a row. Now they're struggling a little bit, but uh, that was a good win for the Phoenix Suns. They're first place in the Western Conference. Yep. They're the number one seed in the Western Conference, and they've done it with Chris Paul missing 10 straight games and Cam Johnson being out. Here's the other thing that was significant about last night, too. That was a clutch time performance. Now, I know we're accustomed to seeing the Suns dominate in moments like that. They did it all last year to a historic type level, and, and again, the NBA recognized is clutch as you're in the final five minutes of a game and it's a five point or less game. Mm-hmm. That was a, a, a huge. I mean, you talk about clutch time performance. They scored on eight of their last nine, not eight of their last nine possessions, but a stretch in the fourth quarter where they scored on eight of nine possessions. I think and they the only had one to. they missed was a Damian, and they had to hit every they single one to. of those shots. Sacramento had a ten nothing run, and they were up one hundred four one hundred one. Uh, Monk was taken over, so they're up one hundred four one hundred one. At that point, I thought this was pretty interesting. So, and, and I really, you know me, I'm I'm just a stickler for substitution patterns. Six minutes and 56 seconds left in the game. They put Book back in for Damian Lee. Book started the fourth quarter, but then they took him out. He came back in for Lee. When, the, when Book left, the Suns were up seven. When he came back, they were up one. I always pay attention to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Book leaves the game. The Suns are up seven. Book comes back. They're up one. Damian Lee goes to the bench at 656. Damian Lee comes back into the game at 615. He only missed 41 seconds. There was some trust factor that Monty has with Damian Lee. He comes back into the game. 
After being out 41 seconds, he hits a pull-up jumper, he hits a corner three, he hits a straightaway three. Like, Monty's recognition of, I've got to have Damian Lee, I'm going to give him a quick breather, yep. and I'm going to get him back on the court. That's good coaching right there. Yep. That's good coaching by Monty Williams. Yep, because he also recognized campaign didn't have the greatest nights last night. What was yep. it, 2 of 10 from the floor? I think and it was a minus right 10. Out. Pulled him right out. I said, okay, you know what? I, I just, I need I'll a... go with Book and Lee. I need a lineup that I can finish with, and that's the lineup that I can finish. Look, at some point, I don't know when it's going to happen, at some point, Damian Lee is going to come to. All right, the way he's playing in these fourth quarters, the numbers he's putting up that in these crazy. fourth quarters, are crazy. they're insane. Through 20 games, Damian Lee from the three-point line in the fourth quarter alone is 22 of 36. All right, now we're going to talk more specifically about Damian Lee much later in the show. So I'm comfortable giving out these numbers now. He's 22 of 36 from three in the fourth quarter so far this season. What, what's that percentage? 61%. <laughs> but he's Shooting always from downtown out. in the I, final period. I know period. those numbers are crazy, but his forte is hitting corner threes. Like, that's what he does. He hits corner threes. 61%. No, no, that's, that's, that's a lot higher than even... And he's really good at it, but that's, that's the, a much the higher. The stat number. that blew me away? Yeah. He's, and I guess it makes sense when you're 22 or 36 from three in the fourth quarter. He's made the second most fourth quarter field goals on the entire roster. Only Devin Booker has made more baskets in the fourth quarter than Damian Lee. Now, at some point... Regression to the mean. At some point, the numbers are going to come down, and he's going to go through a cold slump because that's life. That's stats. That's how these things work. He, he'll he won't keep up this pace. But until that happens, holy cow, he's been instrumental in these fourth quarters. Part of for that him. just has to be the pedigree. Playing with Golden State, playing on a similar sure. team with shooters sure. and ball movement and just knowing his role, not being afraid to jack up that three, not being afraid to take it. You know, and he's really good at the corner threes, but he had a straightaway three, too, which was a big part in the game. I mean, he was instrumental. And in they don't win that game without Damian Lee. Uh, he was great. There were so many players that were good. I mean, Troy Craig was good. Mikel Bridges, as you mentioned, was so good. 17 and 12 for DeAndre. Yep. Six straight double-doubles for DeAndre. That's a career high. He's never had six straight double-doubles in his career. Eight of ten from the field. I mean, how efficient? Because they shoot 80%. I mean, how efficient is he? But it's, it's, you know, I always pay attention. They start the fourth quarter with Landry Shamit, Mikhail, Book, Landale, Damian. And you just always pay attention to how Monty does it. I thought he did a fantastic job with, uh, with his ability to get Lee out of the game and to get Lee right back in the game. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. I just do not think Cliff Kingsbury has the respect of this football team. Oh, who said that? And is he right? That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. So again, if you're just tuning in, we'll talk about Cardinals in 20 seconds. Uh, the United States just defeated Iran in the final match of the the opening round, the seeding round, if you will. And now they go into the elimination round. They'll play the Netherlands on Saturday morning. I believe that's a very early, like 6, it looks like it's 9 a.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Eastern, Should make yeah. it 7 o'clock here. 
Right? It's, have your coffee. It's a big, normally it's a big college football day, and it will be a big college mm. football day, but you've also got an elimination game between the Netherlands and the United and States the on Saturday morning. So congratulations to our country and our soccer program. Yes. Oh, they needed that congratulations. win. Oh, boy, did they ever. They needed did that win. Did they ever. So that came down just a moment ago. All right. I played that sound for you. The source of that sound came from, uh, that's James Jones. Former Super Bowl champion, wide receiver, played with the Green Bay Packers. He was on the Up and Adams show with Kay Adams, formerly the host of Good oh, Morning yeah. Football. Yeah, yeah. Branched out on her own. And I haven't, uh, I haven't seen her since she left Good Morning Football. Well, she also hosts a very like Entertainment Tonight or Entertainment Weekly or something. That, and th- so this program, it's part of FanDuel TV. That's, okay. So she's... Allocated she, she's, by them. So she, so she is working for like a fan. She works for fan. Yes. But I also know she's like an entertainment reporter. She's done very, very well for herself. Okay. So here's former wide receiver Super Bowl champ James Jones yesterday. He's on Up and Adams. Kay asks him the question, who is side, whose side is he on if it's Cliff or if it's the players? Here's what James Jones had to say. I would have to be on the player side, and I'm not necessarily just saying Kyler Murray's side. I'm saying the player side. And I just do not think Cliff Kingsbury has the respect of this football team. And as a head coach, when you don't have the respect of a football team, you're not going to get the best out of a football team. And you talked about it, Kay, right? This team has talent mm-hmm. across the board, right? But it's starting with the guy that's running the ship, and that's Cliff Kingsbury. And these guys do not respect Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury as a head coach and you see it. Okay, tell us why, James Jones. They chewing him out on the sideline. They coming out, you know, in the media saying crazy, crazy stuff in the media. And it's not just Kyler. You know, it's a lot of the players. And you're not going to get guys to go out there and battle for you and and ride for you if you don't have the respect for them. And any little thing that goes on with the Arizona Cardinals, right? It's always stuff like this that comes out. It's always them, you know, getting at Cliff Kingsbury. And that lets me know, man, that the, the head coach ain't got control of the ship. And and that's a problem. So I'll put this on clip. What do you make of that? Um, they played really hard this week. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a team that's quitting on their coach. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and if he's got people telling him that, that's one thing. If he's guessing at that, that's a dangerous path to go down. If you're guessing at that just by what you see, to, to, uh, he doesn't have the respect of the players. You know, you, you, that's a day, like I said, that's a dangerous path. If somebody, if you're talking to JJ Watt or you're talking to players and they're like, man, we don't respect this guy, you know, that's one thing. Cause hey, I've talked to players, they don't respect them. That's one thing. But this, to guess at it because of what you saw on TV, I don't, I, you know, I don't know that that's the case. The only thing we can listen, if Cliff loses the team, then his job's over. I don't think he's lost the team. I saw a team that battled really hard right up until the final whistle of that game. I saw a team that that's, that that is trying, that is playing hard. They're just de- decimated by injuries, and you know what? They don't, their roster is not good enough to win some of these games. Yeah, it's it's weird to say this, but I, to, to piggyback off of what you said, I almost hope he's talking to players. And that people behind the scenes are telling him this. And yet I don't hope that because that means the team is in chaos right now. Right? I'm not rooting for that. But in order for James Jones to be right, man, I hope he's talking to guys in the locker room. Because if he's not, let's take what you said and kind of expand it. I think the only if he's not talking to players, if he doesn't have behind the scenes sources on this, then likely the only source for this conclusion 
is because Kyler Murray yelled at Cliff Kingsbury a couple times on the sideline. He line. said other guys. Well, what other guys? What, where what, is what, that? What other guys? What, what other? And, and when he said that, I was thinking to myself, well, who in the media? Who said what about Cliff in the media? Am I Mitch? Eric? Am I missing? Are we missing something? Is there somebody else that we're forgetting about? Is there a player who made some comment on the Cardinals roster about Cliff? About how things are going behind the scenes? Has anyone gone off the record? Has anybody has anybody gone anonymous? I, mean, I don't think, think so. Even, even Eno Benjamin, who got caught, I haven't heard him say anything negative. Not a word. Not a word. Like I like I was waiting, kind of waiting for that. Now he didn't play this past week. I looked. I wanted to see if he played. He didn't play. But he, he you know, guys that are leaving, I haven't heard anything negative that like that. I, so I, unless James Jones is talking to guys in the locker room and they're giving him stuff off the record, which is entirely possible. Maybe a guy like James Jones doesn't make a bold statement like that unless somebody's whispering to him in the locker room. The only other conclusion is that he's basing his conclusion off of what he's watching. Off of Kyler Murray chewing out Cliff Kingsbury in a couple games, which I admit isn't a good look, but that's also a big leap to say he's lost the team. It's a big leap to say guys don't respect him or the guys aren't listening to him. Because you're right. What happened two days ago, it wasn't perfect, but it also wasn't a team that quit on their head coach. They played hard. They were playing to win. They weren't checked out. They were very checked in for that game. They just didn't execute things the way we would want them to in the fourth I quarter. Had the lead, they had, then they had the three straight three and outs. They lost the game. Now, Coming up, I mean, listen, these, these games aren't easy. The Patriots are fighting for a playoff spot. Um, then you've got the Broncos, who are terrible. The Bucks are fighting for a playoff spot. The Falcons are fighting for a playoff spot. The 49ers are fighting for a division title and 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 uh, possible home field advantage and seedings there. So these games are all tough. Let's you got to see how they finish. Now, this team has lost four out of five games. They've lost, what, 11 out of 12 at home? 11 out of 12, is yeah. it? <laughs> at home? There's been so many gamble. So I swear bad, to God, I've lost track. Um, <laughs> I've lost track. If, if he loses this team, you'll know it. You'll know it. You won't need anybody to tell you. You'll see a team that goes out there, they try early, and once they get down, then they give up. Um, but we didn't see that against the Chargers. Honestly, I was afraid that was going to happen against the Niners. Because the Niners, it was such a thorough beatdown. It was. It was so embarrassing. It was a second-half beatdown. I, I thought, okay, if, if ever there was a point where this team was just going to say, ah, to hell with it, it was that. And, and so that was one of the big things I was watching the Chargers game for, was just their level of engagement, their level of... And the return of Kyler probably helped. And the return of Hollywood Brown probably helped. Right, because you had a couple of key guys coming back on offense. I just didn't see that against the Chargers. So again, the quote, and I'll read it here. Um, These guys do not respect Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, and you see it. I mean, they're chewing him out on the sideline. They're coming out in the media saying crazy, crazy stuff in the media. But it's not just Kyler. It's a lot of the players, and you're not going to get guys to go out there and battle for you and ride for you if you don't have the respect from them. I just don't know anybody outside of the the Kyler spat with the, you know, with with Cliff on the sideline. What players is he talking about? What other players? Has James Conner said anything? Has J.J. Watt said anything? Has the Andre Hopkins said anything? Yep. I mean, what player are you talking about? Like, so you know, that's what we got to call a guy out on it. Like, if you listen, if you say I've talked with players, then I'm I'll believe you. Like, I, I will believe you. D Hop even came in and defended Cliff when he first came back and said, "No, I I actually like the play calling." So it was. Kind of the opposite on the record. <laughs> yeah, he was getting like twelve targets a game, so of course he liked. It. But yes, your point is well taken. I, I, I haven't heard 
anybody. Yeah. You know? Uh, So is this just piling on for a team that, you know, things are going so poorly and there's a lot of talk about Cliff and the future and and Kyler and what, you know, what they're going to do with coaching and Sean Payton and he was a ball boy for the Cardinals and he, you know, with all of that, is you just piling on? Because at no point in that did he say, I spoke with players and they tell me that they have no respect for him. Now, we'll see. If this gets brought up with any players, if they say, this guy's got no idea what he's talking about. This, this He has no idea what he's talking about. We'll That's see. not the case. We'll that see. may happen. Text us your thoughts right now. The FanDuel text line, it is open for you at 620-620 right now. Another ho-hum night for Devin Booker. That's what I get paid to do. That's what he gets paid to do. Making the extraordinary look rather ordinary. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. We've got Mr. Ruby here with us with today's Twitter Poll question of the day, hoping that not everybody went with the obvious on this one. Did everybody go with the obvious on this one? We got a close one. Because when we came up with this pre-show, I was a little worried that everybody was going to vote for one guy, and I'm glad to hear it's close. Eric, please reveal. It could be one guy taking a vote away from another but our question today is besides Devin Booker, obviously, who has been the Suns' most impactful player since Chris Paul went down about 10 games ago? Your three options are, obviously, DeAndre Ayton, who just got the player of the week, Mikhail Bridges, who has been steady Eddie, and the third option, mm. Damian Lee, big fourth quarter minutes. Oh boy! Good. Who all right. You know what? Sun- since CP3 went down, I'm happy. It's a tough question. That's all. That's seriously. That's all I was going for. Just wanted to give you something to think about a little bit. I'm going to go with Aiden. Okay. I'm going to say Mikel. I'm going to go with Aiden. I think Mikel's steady Eddie is just too valuable. But they're all. I. They're all right to varying degrees. Aiden's also been relatively steady, though. He's just he also has. had these high well, points recently. Yeah. I mean, was it six straight double doubles? Longest. Longest in his career. Six straight yeah. double doubles. What's the audience say on this? This one? one separated by a percentage, leading the way 43.9%. Steady Eddie. Mikhail Bridges, the warden, leading the way in second place, 42.5%. DeAndre Ayton, that's separated by 1.4% between the two. In third, you got to give him some love, but he's not going to win. 13.7% going Mr. Fourth Quarter, Damian Lee. I'm glad Damian Lee's getting a little love. Um, we'll talk about Damian Lee a little later. He's been unbelievable in some of these fourth quarters. It's 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 bound to end at some point, but for now, uh, it's been really good. Thank you, that, Eric. We appreciate it. That's the uh, poll question. As always, you can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page, at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. Please follow us there if you get a chance. Eric and Mitch do an outstanding job putting that together. Hooker slowly crossing into the forecourt. Left-hand dribble around an eight and screen. Still dribbling to the left elbow, spinning to his right, jumper up and in with the right hand. D-Book's got 40, and the Suns retake a one-point lead. That's the kind of performance that wins guys MVP trophies. And I don't know if Book is going to get it this year, and I don't know how much we care whether he gets it or not, but that's the kind of game where okay, your superstar just went unleashed. He was extraordinary last night. Because when you've got a player like this, you could have Cam Johnson out and Chris Paul out and still win uh, an, um, the amount of games that they've won. 
because you have him. But you take it the other way, okay? Chris Paul is not hurt. Cam Johnson's not hurt. Jay Crowder doesn't want to get traded. And Devin Booker goes out. You're a 500 team. You're a 500 team. Yes. Yes. And that's the way that you have to look at it. Yes. You could lose two or three key players, but as long as Book is there, you're going to win 75% of your games. Devin Booker is out, and you have everybody else. You're a 500 team. You know, maybe a little bit, but, but, but basically a 500 team. Because he's that great of a player. He draws that much attention from the opposing teams. I mean, not everybody in this league could drop 44 in a game the way he did last night. Explode for 44. 17 out of 28 from the field. 9 and 9 from the free throw line. 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 steals. I mean, he's really one of the truly great players in this league right now. And, and when you have a guy like that, you win a lot of basketball games. The six steals obviously stands out. Not that the eight rebounds don't. He's been on a rebounding tear as of late. And the four assists, of course, are good. But the six steals puts him in this in this really kind of unique category of players in, in Suns history and in some ways NBA history. Suns players who have scored at least 40 points and had at least five steals in a game. It's only happened six times. Last night was the sixth. The other guys who did it were Paul Westfall in 77. You were a young man when Paul Westfall did it. I was, yeah. <laughs> was, he with, was he with the Knicks then? No, he was with the Suns. He was still with the these Suns. These are Suns players who did it. Okay, Suns players. Okay, because I remember Westfall with the Knicks. Yeah, no, Westfall. Him know. and Louis Orr and Marvin <laughs> Webster. <laughs> Bernard King. Walter Davis did it in seven. 79. Steph Marbury did it in 03. Starberry. Amari did it in 2008. Jeez. Leandro Barbosa did it in 2009. Happy birthday. I think he's 40 today. Is Leandro Barbosa 40 he's today? 40. The Brazilian blur. I think he's 40 years old today. Good Lord, that makes yeah, me Yeah, I think I, I need 4 0. Big 4 0. God, that makes me feel so old. Leandro Barbosa, I'm looking it up now. That makes me feel Born so Born on November 28th. Why am I getting any younger? No, you're not. You're not. 1982. Today's the 29th. So yesterday was his 40th birthday. All right. Yeah. Close enough. Close enough. Eh, Close enough. It might be November 28th somewhere in the world. (laughs) We're celebrating your birthday still today, Gamba. I got my cake today. (laughs) Birthday week. Right. That's true. Yeah. So he turned 40 yesterday. And then there's this other stat since we're, we're letting the numbers tell the story here. That was Devin Booker last night. That was his 24th career game with at least 40 points. He already has more than Paul George, Clyde Drexler, and David Robinson. He has the same amount as Paul Pierce. He's two away from Charles Barkley. He's three away from Dirk Nowitzki. Okay, that's ridiculous. He's 26 years old. That's ridiculous. Now, I know a lot of those games, he's got... He's two away from passing Nowitzki? Three, three away from tying Nowitzki. Two from Barkley? Two from Barkley. Oh, now, my God. I know a lot of those games came during the empty stat era. And I know a lot of those games came... Yeah, somebody's got to score. Uh, you know, somebody's got to score. score. Yep. I understand that. Still impressive. But still. That's it. Okay, it's one thing to do it on a team that's winning 23 games. It's quite another to do it on a team that's winning 64 games, or that's got the best record in the West, or that went to the NBA Finals two years ago. Look, it's, 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 it's crazy what he said. And then to hear him after the game talk, man, that's what I get paid to do. You know, ho-hum, big deal. Okay. <laughs> it's like, come on, Buck. Luke Lipinski put this out there. Remember when I made that Mikhail Bridges bet? Yes, Last defensive year. player of the year. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if Luke's right here, I'll throw 100 on Buck. Devin Booker, MVP yards are 55-1. to 1? 
Are they 55 to 1? Eric, look that up for me. You're the degenerate. If, like, you I'll throw, you I'll admit throw you're the degenerate out. gamblers in the, in the room. You guys like, I'll throw some money me. down right now. 55 to 1? I would not let one? my name be smeared like this. So how much would I win if I bet like 100? You'd win 5,500. What if I bet 1,000? You'd win $55,000. I have to make a bet. I, I don't know how to make a bet. I don't have any of those like things on my phone like everybody else does. Oh. But I I could I'll throw some shekels down on book for MVP at 50, 55 to one sounds ridiculous. Eric, I apologize for calling you a degenerate. You're not He's the best player. Dad's listening to this. Come on, man. <laughs> He's the best player on the best team. Are you looking this up? Or can you find I'm this? looking it up right now. I just don't have the apps on my home screen because I'm not a degenerate gambler. So I'm finding it well, right who now. Who is Mitch? Uh, hold on. Okay. Who's our degenerate gambler? Uh, I, Maloney? Uh, are you? Is that you? <laughs> Are you a degenerate it's plus gambler? Forty five hundred right now on the app that I'm on. So forty five hundred. Uh, Luke, a little bit worse, but it might have jumped up after last night. Sixteen hours ago, Luke said it was fifty five to one odds. Okay, here it is. Yeah, Devin no, Booker. It, it, that's what it is. Right now, I'm looking at uh, FanDuel Sportsbook online. Do you have an account there? No comment. I'm looking. Yes, I'll I give you hundred bucks. Throw hundred yes, bucks on it for me. I'll uh, give you hundred dollars right now. Devin Booker right now yeah. is plus fifty five hundred to win the MVP, which means if you were to bet a hundred dollars, yeah. you would win fifty five hundred. I'll give you a hundred dollars. Can you make that bet for me? Yeah, I can. All right, just make the bet for me. I'll put a hundred dollars down on book. Fifty five to one. Seems, doesn't that seem crazy? Yeah, it does seem crazy. He's the best player on the best team. <laughs> it seems nuts. Like how is he fifty five to one? All right, let's. Okay, I'm but, not a gambler, but does that like that does not does that seem like odd? Here, yeah, very. Here are the guys getting better odds. You okay. ready? Yeah, Luca getting the best odds. Uh, Giannis is next. Jason Tatum is third. Steph Curry is fourth. Joel Embiid is fifth. Donovan Mitchell, John ja Morant, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Shai Gilgis Alexander, then Devin Booker. But you have to you have to remember also it's not just who they think is going to win most likely it's percentage of money that's being put on certain players so if a bunch of people are picking Steph Curry Kevin Durant these they're going to lower names, his odds their odds are going to get lower because more people are putting money on them to discourage people from just putting the money public, on like Lucas the, the or mass, from right. the mass public right in some of those like I mean he's doing this Chris Paul hasn't played in ten games I know. Cam Johnson's out. I, I, if if you've got an account, I do. throw a hundred bucks. On I do. For me. Yep, I do. Because Let's just do it. Because secretly, when we were asking who the degenerate gambler is, I was kind of raising my hand over here too. I mean, just yeah, a little. I, I mean, not like friends of mine. And and I know you're listening right now. I know you're listening out there in the audience, my best friend, who's a degenerate gambler. I know you're listening. Not like him. But I'll throw a few shekels every now and then. I don't want to yeah. name him by name. Lots of know. deflection going on here, Bernie. <laughs> I throw 100 down and I can win $5,500. 50, uh, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $
It has forgotten what it is, and because of that, it can't achieve what it can become. Forget all of the sleeping giant stuff. This program is in a coma. The latest news being Arizona State's decision to part ways with Edwards after an embarrassing loss to Eastern Michigan and a significant NCAA investigation is underway. Close quote. It was a story from several months ago by Ari Wasserman, a writer from The Athletic, who wrote a column back in September, frankly, right after Herm Edwards got let go as coach of ASU, why ASU needed to hire Kenny Dillingham to wake the program from its coma. From a coma. So right now, Wasserman is, is looking very much like a genius. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Like the, that's the guy sure. that he had identified a while ago. And he's a college football writer for the athletic website. But identifying Kenny Dillingham a while ago as the guy that was really, in some ways, the only choice for ASU. Yeah, he says Arizona State needs to hire Kenny Dillingham. If it doesn't, the Sun Devils and their fans will be playing the same game they play with Billy Napier. What if? What if Arizona State had the vision to hire Napier in 2017? You could say the same thing for Mike Norvell. What if? What if? What if? And it just goes on to talk about, you know, this guy's had four stops as an offensive coordinator prior to his 32nd birthday. And uh, not surprisingly, he can recruit. And just goes on to just talk about really how poorly ASU has recruited locally. And he goes, here's a sobering stat about the Sun Devils. They have zero commitments from Arizona prospects in the 2023 class. They had none in 2022. They had one in 2021. The last time ASU landed a blue chip in-state prospect was 2017. So that's why, like, he's like, look, this has been an underachieving program in the Coleman. Look, what do I say? Mediocrity is what ASU has been great at forever. Like, they, mediocrity to bad, not mediocrity to good. So this is, to me, I think this is a good hire. Time will tell. We don't know. He's young. But, it, you know, it's it's a lot different than hiring Herm. It's a lot different than hiring Todd Graham or, you know, uh, some of the other, Dennis Erickson. This is a young guy that really wants to, you know, make his mark as a head coach in college football, and ASU is going to be the, the spot that he does it at. Well, and it's, you know, we said this a little bit yesterday. It's his dream job. It's it's the one that he's wanted since he got into coaching in the first place, and he's truly a local guy, and that's, and that's where this needs to start. Now, one thing that's changed over all the years that we've been doing this, and we've been doing this a while, is the quality of high school football in Arizona has gone up dramatically over the last 10 well, years. Because the state has just exploded. It, it, right. And, and so the level of talent available now in the state of Arizona, we remember from 10, 15 years ago, an elite blue chip guy like a Todd Heap or a Terrell Suggs deciding to stay was like big breaking news because most of the time, if you were an elite player, you would go somewhere else. You would choose to go to a bigger program. Now, with all of the talent here in state, look, let's call it like it is. Southern California is probably always going to be ASU's like main base because it's just so big. There's so much talent. There's so much talent left over after the USC's are kind of done with it. But for a guy like Kenny Dillingham to come in and really, truly prioritize recruiting good in-state talent is something that absolutely has to happen, which is why it was very noteworthy. Press conference to introduce Dillingham Sunday morning at 10 a.m. By Sunday at 10.49 a.m., the following tweet went out from the Arizona Football Coaches Association. The first order of business, they write, is relationships. All head coach received the Zoom link via email. If you're a high school coach, DM for the link. And the link was to a Zoom call 
with head coach Kenny Dillingham of Arizona State Football. Open to all Arizona high school football coaches Sunday, November 27th at 4 o'clock. Yeah, because, listen, the, the head coaches in high school have some impact on, on the kids' decision. Not, you know, not fully, but they have some impact. These coaches will lean on their head coach. These players will lean on their head coach for advice. They'll also go to your parents. And But if you're being recruited by Ohio State and Notre Dame and all these other programs, the, the likelihood that you go to ASU is slim. It is slim. And I think he even points out that they, they might have to, you know, uh, in the article, he points out they might have to just bring some kids in that aren't the highest recruited kids just to kind of get the ball rolling that, you know, we're going to recruit, we're going to recruit locally. But the high school coaches will have a little bit of influence on the kid. You know, I know, you know, you tell me, no, you know, the coach and you could kind of like give your reasonings to why you should stay home and help build ASU program. So there is some influence there. Parents will have more influence and ultimately the amount of colleges that are recruiting a kid will have the bigger imp- Some Some people want to leave and get out of state. Some do. They want to go make their mark somewhere else. It happens. You know, your kid went and played baseball somewhere else. My daughter went and played soccer somewhere else. Like So it, it does happen where kids like they, they do want to break away. But if you... If you could build something here mm-hmm. to where you could sell the kids on, look, we have a chance. We have a chance to win a conference championship. We have a chance to be a top 25 program. We have a chance to play big games on TV. We have a chance to have a great non-conference schedule. I want to hear what he says about the non-conference schedule, which is built out like seven, eight years down the road. Like what, you know, what are the, some of the things he's going to do to sell these kids on why you want to be a part of this, why you want to stay in, in house and go to ASU? Yeah, and and it all starts with those local kids. Now, as you pointed out yesterday, astutely, I might add, that part of the challenges with today's college football landscape is that even once you recruit the kid, you have to re-recruit the kid. And you have to continually recruit the kid because if the kid shows up and doesn't like how much playing time he's getting, doesn't like who he's behind on the depth chart, doesn't like whatever. I mean, there's a million different things that the kid cannot like. It has never been easier for the kid to decide to leave. No. Right? And so, I mean... Even to a certain extent, Herm and Todd did do a good job of keeping some of the local blue chippers around, but keeping them here in the transfer portal era can be very, very difficult. I, I do think one thing that Dillingham has working for him is is that that's a that's a dynamic offense that he likes to coach. I mean, he made Bo Nix a star in Oregon, right? Yes, and did. and so that was always something that Herm. Let's be honest. Herm's offense was a little on the boring side. Herm's offense was but a they little change coordinators all the time on the traditional side, right? Kind of the ground and pound sort of NFL old school vision. And I think that's part of the other thing about having a younger coach who's a little offensive minded is it's easier to recruit offensive talent in that regard. Hey, he'll get the quarterback. For, yeah, he'll get the quarterback. He'll get a quarterback. Come play, and then when he gets the quarterback... Now you can get the receiver. You, you get, get the running back. You get the, running, you get you get the, the guys players. who are going to benefit yeah. from the great quarterback, right? So all of that kind of falls into place um, once you get the quarterback who kind of becomes the Pied Piper and brings... I mean, it's what happened with Jaden Daniels four years ago, right? They recruited him, and all of a sudden, all these four-star recruits, four-star receivers started coming out of the woodwork to come play. That didn't work out for They've a got variety a, of reasons, yeah. but it was there. The foundation was there. They got a great receiver in Elijah Badger. I really like him. And that's a kid, like I'm saying, you got to re-recruit him. 
Like he's, you know, with the type of year he had, you'll you'll have a lot of universities coming after him because, hey, I need a wide receiver. ASU's got this kid. They won three games. Go get him. So that's where you got to re-recruit a lot of these, you know, the, your core players. You got to re-recruit them and make them understand that you are going to build something special here and you want them to be a part of it. When we come back, they've won five straight games now. They are on top of the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are smoking hot. And we get to chat with forward-ish Wainwright. He's joining us next on the Burns and Gambo Show.